Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Vita Goodell, CEO of the Fort Bend Women's Center and also board member of Brookwood. Both of those organizations are nonprofits, but Vita, I call you the social entrepreneur because you have figured out how to really treat it like a for-profit business, and you are succeeding despite COVID, despite the challenges that these organizations had faced before your involvement. And you've actually taken one of your Pennywise resale centers from one location to six locations. So I'm going to turn this over to you. And if you will let us know, what's one of the reasons that you've succeeded in a nonprofit world where so many are not? And then, of course, this show's about CEO blind spots. So we're wondering, did you ever have a blind spot? Welcome to our show. And thank you for being here today. Hi, Birgit. Thank you so much for inviting me. To answer that second question, yes, yes, yes. I have had blind spots, probably still do. But you know, the key is like mm-hmm. what you're doing is to help people recognize those. So I think as far as the you know success in nonprofit or in profit, the key is keep learning and applying what you learn. Your mission in mind always move toward that strategically and have a great team around you. I think the team is really the most important part. I think that the moving of our Pennywise stores and growing them into something that can really help keep our mission going has been a huge step and something that we've needed to do. I think that all nonprofits who can bring some sort of enterprise into their fundraising, into their revenue generation are going to be in an advantage because there's just the diversification of the way you get your money and communicating with your entire staff to be sure that everyone's on board with the mission and with where you're going and how you're going to get there. You've been in for-profit as well, right? I, mean, I know you have your MBA and you've chosen to dedicate yourself to the nonprofit world, but you've also worked in the for-profit world. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. I was an auditor of all things for Atlantic Richfield. I've worked as bookkeeper. I think that one of the things that has really been helpful was just this bookkeeping that I did. You get to where you understand accounting so well when you do it literally by hand and have to do everything from the beginning to the end. That little experience years ago has really helped me a lot. And then the psychology background as well has just helped you with working with people. I think that everyone in the for-profit or non nonprofit business would say that the key to success and the key to keeping yourself on target is to have good people all around you and have the communication going up and down the chain and just always be focusing on the core mission, how to get there. Yeah. And so here you are during COVID times when a lot of organizations like yours are not making it and you are. So would you say it's because you, well, let me not tell you why. Why are you making it when others aren't? (laughs) Well, I think that, first of all, we had a stable infrastructure to start with. I think that that's important. We've been around for a while, so we've had the advantage of having our infrastructure, our knowledge base already there. But I think that the key thing for us during COVID has been communicate, communicate, communicate. I think a lot of leaders, the word meeting is like a bad word, and people always say, oh, another meeting. But really and truly, what we did at the very beginning of this, we learned this from Hurricane Harvey as well 
is we have a check-in meeting with our leadership staff. We started out doing it every day. Now we do it three days a week. And uh, I do keep asking the leadership staff, is this too much? Should we quit doing this three days a week? And they're like, no, we really, this is helping us so much to know everything that's going on in the department. And then the key to it is after those check-ins, we do what we call cascading messages. We send that information further down the line so that the entire agency knows what's going on and where we stand. I think mm. sometimes when you're the CEO, you sort of forget that there are people who are working as cashiers in your store or in our case, working on our hotline, our crisis hotline. They are sitting there wondering what is happening. Is my job going to be okay? Am I going to still be here? What are we going to mm-hmm. do with the people that we serve? And they need to constantly be communicated with. So it sounds like you're continuing to do well, thank goodness, because you're doing such an amazing cause and you've served over 50,000 women. And then I happen to know that it's not just women, they come with their children. And then I'm wondering what would be an example of a blind spot you had as a leader? I think my biggest blind spot has always been in the personnel area. I think most people can probably relate to that. One of the things that I have always done is I I really do like to bring in really good people who can do their job really well and then let them do their job and trust them to do their job and just be there as a sounding board, holding them accountable. But a mistake that I was making was I've had people who worked for me who are excellent at their job, but maybe someone who is one of their direct reports I might have a question about, maybe they're not really up to snuff and they're not forming to the level that we'd like. And I'll mention it to their supervisor, the person who's direct report for me, and they'll say, oh, but they do their job so well. They're great at their job. When mostly my concern usually is more of a cultural concern and emotional intelligence concern. They're just not supervising their people well or something like that. And I have my blind spot and the place where I've made my mistake is just trusting that person's supervisor to say, oh, but they're doing a good job. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want them to leave. And what has happened for us in the last year and a half, we've had a few of those people that I was questioning leave for other reasons. And the difference has been so amazing in the morale of the people around them. And I've actually had people say to me, what took you so long? And that's when Mm. I thought, okay, obviously I have made a big mistake in not trusting my instincts, trusting my observations and moving forward with it, whether it's in training that person better, helping them to be a better leader, or moving into another spot on the bus or getting them off the bus. Mm, Yeah. Like you said, I I bet a few other leaders can relate to that too, because uh, in the old days, if you you did a really good job at your job, that's that was the number one thing that was important. Right. And now emotional intelligence and fitting in with the culture and being team players has become yeah. huge. So then on that note, I can imagine in your whole company requires someone to have high emotional intelligence given who you serve. Are there any blind spots you see in the marketplace regarding the situation with women? I know that I get notices from the city of Houston saying domestic violence is on a high right now because everyone's locked inside and frustrated. What have you seen about that? Well, we have the incident definitely has gone up. Domestic violence is not about anger, not about the violence itself. It's all about power and control. The abuser wants to have power and control over his victim. And COVID has totally given the abuser complete power and control because especially during the shutdown, people were locked in to the same house with their abuser. 
And what we found, we expected our hotline calls to just go through the roof as soon as the stay-at-home order started. But what actually happened, and this is the case with other nonprofits, other domestic violence agencies as well, our hotline calls went down. And we mm. thought about that for a minute, and we said, well, of course they've gone down. The poor person cannot even make a phone call without it being overheard. And so they're mm. afraid to try and get the help. Once the stay-at-home order was lifted, our hotline calls began to go up again. But during that stay-at-home time, the ones that were getting help were the people who had gotten so severe that law enforcement called in or something that. And mm. so they were getting help, but the ones who were just trapped in that situation with user were just riding it out and hoping for the best. And as soon as that was over, they were like, okay, I'm out here. And they yeah. did call us. So we've had a lot of calls since then. We were able to serve everybody. I want to be sure people hear that. I think all the domestic violence agencies in the area would say the same thing. We can serve them. We may have have our shelter full because we're trying to practice social distancing, but we're very fortunate there's been funding in place to help with hotel stays and things like that. So we can help even during all of this. Wow. Well, thanks for confirming that. And, and if I'm a CEO of a company, is there anything that you recommend I look for? Yes, absolutely. I actually have an experience with a person who was our board chairman's secretary, and he was about fire her because she was really drafted on the job. He wasn't completing tasks. He would get things. And one day she came into him and said, I've been afraid to tell you, but my husband has been abusing me every day when I leave for work. I don't know whether I'm going to go home. My children will still be alive. So she was operating under the that terrible cloud for a long, long time. And as soon as he helped her get out of that situation, of course, he included the Women's Center. We helped her get out of the situation and she was safe and her children were safe. She became the best secretary. What people look for, changes in behavior, look for bruises, for people being distracted, uh, maybe a heightened anxiety because they may be afraid of what they're going home to. And then I think one of the things that's important is to know, for instance, know our hotline number. And our hotline number, I'll just tell it right now, is 281. 342-HELP, H-E-L-P. So it's 281-342-4357. And you can always call yourself and just ask for help. But one of the things that I think can happen is just make sure you've got the information there. One of our clients came to us one time and said that a coworker had walked by her desk one day and just put one of our brochures on the desk and said, just in case, and then walked away. And the client said that at first she was just livid. How dare this woman think that I would need such a thing? But she said she put the brochure in her drawer because in the back of her mind, she knew she needed us. And a year later, and we gave her help hmm. and she's safe now. So I think that there are all different levels of how you can help. But the main thing that as CEOs we can do is be aware and know the information, know how to get help. Yeah, well, you know, you hope it, it it never has to happen and it won't be necessary, but I hear that that it's hugely on the rise. We know the deaths are going up. Okay. So you do know that the deaths are going up. Yes, they are. And the other stunning thing to me has always been if we hear about a death from domestic violence in the 17 years that I've been at the Women's Center, not a single one of those cases have been a client of ours. In other words, those women did mm. not seek help. There are so many people out there who are not seeking help, and there is help out there. I don't know how to help them understand that we can help. We're free. We're confidential. We're not going to make them leave. We'll simply we'll meet them where they are and help them with whatever it is that they might just need some advice right now. They might just need to know that we're here to help, or they might be running away in their car at that very moment and not knowing where to do. Be anything in between, but we're here and we'll help. 
Very good. I think uh, that's indeed the details like that are important for people to know the free and for any reason and and especially getting someone to talk to like yourselves who are experienced at this. So as we start to wrap up the show, what else would you like to share, you know, with other new leaders who are leading people and dealing with COVID and uh, whether it's for profit or nonprofit? Well, I think that especially in regard to the COVID, I think I'll re- be very, very transparent with your staff. Make sure that they know where you're coming from, and what your plans are and what you're doing. I also just read an article about leadership during a crisis and how important it is to be realistically optimistic. And that you certainly don't want to be the one who's going around going, oh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. <laughs> yeah. But you do need to be realistic. But people need to hear positive messages from you and to hear from you a lot. They're just, they're hungry for that. Well, thanks again for being on the show and sharing everything that you shared and especially for sharing your talent at the nonprofit where you are because it's helping so many people. Thank you very much. And thank you for what you do, Birgit. You help so many people with getting them the information that they need and with being an accountability partner for them. I know you mean a lot for doing it. Thank you. 